0: Hey church, this is Pastor Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today here on FC Radio. I hope this message encourages you in your walk of faith and helps you to become a better follower of Jesus. Check out our website at www.ferncreekcc.org and let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's the message. Hey, good morning everybody. Hey, it's good to see you. Uh, If you're worshiping with us online, we want to welcome you in this morning. Hey, before we get going with the message, I just want to make a a quick announcement um, and we'll have a few more at the end of the service. You know, the the governor came out last week and he encouraged churches to go virtual uh, for the next four or five weeks. And I want to let you know, our our, our leaders, we, we met Wednesday night, we prayed, we fasted, we um, we've all individually been doing that just trying to figure out you know what, what, what are we to do and, and I just want you to know we're, we're not going to close church again we're not going to do that um, and and I'm excited about that but I want you to know I'm not I'm not I'm not like boasting on that like like we have really prayed about this like the first time around we didn't know hardly anything about this virus we didn't know you know, we didn't have masks. We didn't know about social distancing, and and so we have put together a plan that we feel really strong about. And so that's why we're going to encourage you continue to wear your mask, continue to kind of spread out as much as you can. Be patient as we clean in between services, not just here, but in every one of our classrooms. So we feel like you know you're a gr- you're grown adults. You can make this decision for yourself. And so we're not gonna we're not gonna close the church now. If if you're watching online at home and you're not ready to come back, we support that. We we are thankful for that decision, so continue to watch us if you 've got a loved one that 's their health uh, um, is, immunity is down. think about that as well but but so, I just want you to know we support whatever you 're going to do, but we feel like we 're in a place where we can really pull this off well and so, I just wanted you to know that no matter what happens we 're going to continue to meet so why don 't we do this why don 't we pray and why don 't we ask God to continue to give us wisdom and continue to protect us as we uh, seek to help people find and follow Jesus. So let me pray and then we'll jump into the message. God, today, we we, um, we just want to be grateful for all that you've done uh, for us. God, with our wisdom and with our leaders, we, we, we want to continue to stay open for worship. We want to do that in a safe way. God, if people aren't ready to come back, we totally acknowledge that and totally support that. But God, there are people who want to continue to meet in person, and so we're going to continue to do that. So, Lord, protect us. Give us wisdom as we navigate through this, as we try to do everything they've told us to do uh, to be safe and to be healthy. And God, may your kingdom come as we seek to help people find and follow Jesus. And I pray that in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, if you're visiting with us, we are wrapping up a three-week series that we were doing uh, on financial balance. and. We've learned a lot. We've, we've talked about the laws of physical balance. If you're going to try to keep your balance, balance an umbrella on your finger, there are a couple of laws of physical balance that correlate to financial balance. The first one was, when balancing something, you have, a, you have to have a fixed point of reference. You can't be looking all over the place. If you're balancing that umbrella, you've got to look at one spot that doesn't move and keep your eye on a stable, solid spot. And that law of financial balance is, for Christians... Our physical point, our, our, our fixed point of reference is the Word. It's the living Word, Jesus. It's the written Word, the Bible. So, so as we navigate through life, our eyes are on the Word. That's our fixed point of reference. And then we talked about the second law, constant corrections. You're balancing that umbrella. you got to kind of keep moving that hand. you got to make small little adjustments according to your reference point. So when it comes to the, you know, to the law of physical or financial balance, what we're saying is, what does the Bible tell me about financial stability? It's one thing to keep my eye on. it; It's another thing to ad- adjust my life to it. So I can't just read it. I can't just look at it. i got to make some adjustments. And one of the adjustments we talked about last week was save some. The Bible says you got to save some. You don't consume everything that comes in. Don't live margin to margin. Create some cushion. Create some space, right? And so we talked about this $1,000 challenge. We want you to save we get to save $1000 and then see what happens we have some save back so we save some the adjustment we're going to talk about today is uh, is another thing that the bible says give some elbow your neighbor and say give some give some uh, we weren't too happy about that one we're not too happy about that one sometimes but the bible is is really really true if you want to be balanced financially not only do you have to save some, you've got to give some. So why, why do we give? Let me, let me just tell you why we give. Let me just let's spend a few minutes there. We give because our Father is a giver. We resemble our Father the best when we give because He's a giver. Think about all that God's given to you. Man, God gave you breath. He gave you life. He gave us creation to enjoy. God, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. God gave us salvation one of the most famous passages of the entire bible you probably know it by heart john 3:16 listen to what it says for god so loved the world that he what's the next word he gave he gave his one and only son see he is a giver he loves giving and he gave his son um, I, I remember as a college student when I would come in, I went to Cincinnati Bible College, so when I would come home every now and again on the weekend, like most poor college students, I, I, I was probably coasted into town on fumes in my gas tank, right? And so I would spend the weekend at home with my mom and dad, and on Sunday afternoon when I was turning around to drive back, they'd walk me out to the car, give me a big hug, you know, son, we love you. One of them would probably slip, you know, a little bit of cash into my hand, five bucks, ten bucks. And when I got in the car and turned it on, the gas meter always went back to full. And, and, I, and I drove back to college. I, I drove back thankful, grateful that I had giving parents. Now, fast forward 30 years. I've got my own daughter who's in college. And every now and again when she comes home on the weekend, gas tank's on empty. And we enjoy a great weekend with her, and every Sunday when she heads back out, we give her a hug, tell her how proud we are of her, we love her, a little cash is slipped into her hand, and when she drives away, that gas tank's always on full. And what's more full than the gas tank is my heart, because as a daddy, I I love that my parents gave to me, but, but it's different as a father. When you're able to turn around and to give to your children, To be able to bless them and to be able to give. The Bible truly is right on. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so, why why do we even give? Because God gave. And when we give, we look just like Him. So, we give because He's a giver. The second reason we give is because He hardwired it into our DNA. You are wired by God to be a giver. I mean, think about our bodies real quick. Our bodies were designed to bring in and to give out. We bring in and we give out. Do you know what it's called with your body? What goes on with your body when your body takes in food, takes in water, takes in nutrients, and your body fails to give any of that back out? Do you know what that's called? Turn to your neighbor. Tell them what is that called? You drink prune juice to fix that problem. It's called constipation. There's a word you don't hear in church every Sunday, right? But that's what it's called. It's not healthy and it's not right when the body just takes in, takes in, and doesn't give back out. If you ever come with me to the Holy Land, we're going back in 2022, Lord willing. If you ever come with me, we'll actually swim in a constipated lake. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah, we we actually take a dip in the Dead Sea. It's a constipated lake, the Dead Sea. Did you know that? There's a picture of our Robbie Altman floating in the Dead Sea. Let me tell you why the Dead Sea is a constipated lake. If you look at the the map on the right, you'll see the Dead Sea at the very bottom of this picture. It's not a sea. It's more of a lake. But if you go up north, you'll see the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked. There's fish. There's living vegetation. It's beautiful. And then the Sea of Galilee is connected to the Dead Sea by the Jordan River. So all the water in the Dead Sea flows down, 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 down the Jordan River, empties into the Dead Sea. What's the problem? Why is the Dead Sea constipated? Because the Dead Sea will receive that water, but it's the lowest spot on planet Earth, and the water doesn't go anywhere once it gets to the Dead Sea. So the Dead Sea receives, but the water isn't is released anywhere. And that's why the sea becomes dead. There's, there's no vegetation. There's no fish. The, the salt, it evaporates. It's salt so dense that your body fl- so, so listen, it's, it's not natural. It's not good. God doesn't, didn't design creation. He didn't design you or I to just be keepers. He designed us to, to, to bring, to take in, and, and, and to give back. And again, remember we've proved this time and time again. If you think that you're just a keeper, everybody take a deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. <gasps> now keep it. Don't give it back. Hang on to it. It's yours. You shouldn't give. No, all right. I breathe. We don't want anybody passing out, right? But God, God designed you to take in a breath, but then to give back a breath, right? You can't keep that. Remember we talked about if you think you're a a keeper, go to McAllister's, get one of those big big large sweet teas, drink that, and then try to keep it. You're not keeping any of that. Well, you might keep some of it, right? But your body was designed. It's a healthy thing. God designed us to to bring in and to give back out. And that is why we give financially. So why do we give? Our God is a giver. Why do we give? Because he wired us that way. Now, let's talk about how we give. how, How we give, right? One of the things that I'm learning and that I continue to learn is that God is way more interested in my heart. It all starts giving all starts right here, because our hearts have got to be right. The sons of Adam and Eve were named Cain and Abel, twin boys, Cain and Abel. And they were the first people ever recorded in the Bible to give God a gift. Now Adam and Eve may have given God gifts, but Cain and Abel, were the first ones the Bible recorded. Um, if, you, if you look at the Bible, Cain um, uh, and, and Abel, uh, th- their gifts reveal something about the heart. Look at the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 4. Look at the gift and what they gave God, and let's, let's learn some things. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. So, so, so Cain was a gardener. He grew vegetables, so he brought some of that as a gift. Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn lambs from his flock, The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he rejected, he did not accept Cain and his gift. Now, now stop for a second. Both of these boys realized, long before the Mosaic Law came around, long before anybody had to tell them, they both realized, God, you've blessed us. God, you've sent the rains. God, you were with my flocks. God, you, you you, you blessed the soil. God, we recognize that you gave to us, and it's only right for us to give back to you. But when they brought their gifts, again, God received one and he rejected the other. God accepts Abel's gift of meat. God rejects Cain's gift of vegetables. Why? Is God (laughs) anti-broccoli? No. Has nothing to do with the meat or with the vegetables. The text does tell us why God rejected one, though. Look at it again. Genesis 4, 3. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented, tell me the next word. Some. So, so Cain just brought some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the, tell me the next word, best. The best of his firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Why? It was some versus best. And the some versus best talks to us about the heart. It talks to us about the heart. One was touched so deeply by what God had done, God, I'm going to bring you the absolute best thing that, that you've given to me. While the others said, well, God, I do thank you and I do recognize you, but I'm not giving you the best. I'm going I'm to give you some. All right. Now it, it all talks about the heart. Now, have you ever gotten a gift where the heart wasn't in it? Have <laughs> you ever gotten a gift where the gift didn't really symbolize the heart? Maybe it went something like this. Check this out. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here it is. Okay. This is my anniversary gift? Yep. A vacuum cleaner? Dual bag. This is the best vacuum cleaner you'll ever have, baby. Get in there. What? Not a big fan of that look, I gotcha. New arrival in five, four, three, two, one. What is this place? You are in the doghouse. The dog? Since time immemorial, when men have messed up, they get sent here by their wives or girlfriends. Fold. Yeah, but I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do anything. Every man in the doghouse thinks he's innocent. Isn't that right, boys? <laughs> Look, all, all I know is that I got my wife this really nice gift, and then now here. What'd you get her? Uh, this brand new Dual Bag vacuum cleaner, actually. Yeah, that boys, we got our vacuum cleaner. You're a fool, man. <laughs> well, it was Dual Bag? And Dual Bag doesn't know why he's here. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, you know, again, don't, don't, that, that sometimes the gift just reflects that the heart's not in it. And, and when, when God, when we give to Him, we want to make sure that, again, the heart is right. Look what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9. Don't give reluctantly, don't give because you're responding to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So God says, listen, as you recognize where your blessing comes from, I want the giving to originate, to flow from the heart. When we stop to consider all that God has done, all that he has given to us, all that he's blessed us with, man, it ought to erupt in thanksgiving. So when we give, man, we, we talk about giving from the heart. And, and then we, you, know, what, you think, well, what do you give to a God who, who owns it all, right? Well, do, do you remember when you were kids, if you had kids, do you remember when they were little? Did you ever get one of those turkey pictures where they trace their hand like a turkey, right? And they put little feet on it, and they brought you that picture. Did you look at that picture and go, well, that's not really good. I'm not really impressed with that. Thanks, but no thanks. No, you looked at that picture because it reflected their heart. They, 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 they wanted you to have something that kind of kind of revolved around who they were, so when we think and we talk, again, we, we give because we, we, ref, we look like God when we give. We give because he wired it into us. But, but how we give is it starts with the heart. It starts right here, right? The second thing on, on the how is I, w- I want to show you the tithe. The tithe is the bar. When we talk about giving, we want to talk about this thing called the tithe. Throughout the Bible, God says over and over, I own it all, Managing is your call. I'm going to give you some things. Everything that you have in life, I will loan to you because you're going to die and it's all going to come back to me. But over and over, God says, as you manage what you have, I want you to slice off a piece of that called the tithe. That is holy to me. That doesn't belong to you. It's all of its mine. but this little piece that you're going to cut off and bring back to me to fuel and fund my kingdom is really, really important. Ten percent is the tithe. Now look at what we, what we read in the Bible about the tithe. Look at Leviticus 27.30. Let me, let me teach you some things about the tithe. Leviticus 27.30, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether it's grain from the fields, whether it's fruit from the trees, whatever it is, one-tenth of whatever the land produces belongs to the Lord, and it must be set apart to him as Holy. Look at 2 Chronicles 31.5. When the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing the first share of their grain, their new wine, their olive oil, their honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. So, so God, again, is teaching his people, listen, it all belongs to me. I'm going to let you manage it. But over and over and over again, God says, I want you to take a tithe, a 10%, and I want you to bring that back to me. God also challenges his people. God will say, I want you to to test me in this. Look at Malachi 3.10. God's talking about the tithe, talking about bring this 10% into, into the storehouse. Listen to what he says. Test me test me God says in the tithe see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll have enough room for it again God was saying the tithe doesn't belong to you the tithe belongs to me now if you bring the tithe into the storehouse watch what I'll do in your life God says as a matter of fact I want you to test me did you know this is the only place in the Bible where God says you can test him you and I are never supposed to test God in any way but this. I mean, think about it. God doesn't come to the Ten Commandments, and God doesn't say, you know that adultery thing? Hey, test me out in that. Hey, hey, hey just try, try being faithful, and if it doesn't work for you, then you, know, you don't have to. No, he doesn't say that. God doesn't say, well, you know the murder thing? Well, t- test me in that. Try, try me. Don't kill anybody and see if it goes okay with you. no. God says, don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. But when it comes to the tithe, God says, hey, t- t- test me. Try it out and see if I, don't, if I don't pour out so much blessing in your life you can't even handle it. Tithing is the only place where God says that. Now, some people are going to say, well, Craig, the tithe is just Old Testament. It's something we find in the Old Testament. You know, we're not under law. We're under grace. We're New Testament people. Tithing's not mentioned in the New Testament. That's not true. That's not true at all. Tithing is mentioned in the New Testament. Let me show you. One day Jesus was locking horns with the Pharisees, because the Pharisees, their heart wasn't in what they were doing. And Jesus is going to kind of fight with him over this whole issue of tithing in the heart. And listen to what Jesus tells them in Matthew 23:23. 23, 23. Again, not my words, the words of Scripture. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus says to the Pharisees, "What sorrow await you, teachers of religious law?" You Pharisees, you're hypocrites. For you're careful to tithe, give 10% of even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law justice, mercy, and faith. Tell me the next three words. You should tithe. No, that's not my words. That's not my commentary on his words. Jesus right here has every opportunity to abolish the tithe. But he doesn't abolish it. He supports it. You should tithe. But your heart is not into what you're giving. So so again, if you think, do do, do you think that God in the Old Testament is going to require of the poorest of the poor to tithe? And then he's going to look at us The New Testament people living in the richest country in the world, do you think he's going to require any less of us? I don't think so. So so the tithe, 10% back to God is the bar. That's what we shoot for. Now, I have no idea why God said 10%. God God could have said 20%. God could have said 50%. But he didn't. He set the bar at 10%. And I want you to know something. God's never raised his rate, (laughs) right? Right? It's not like God's ever come along and said, well, you know, times are tough. We need to really jump that up to about 13%. No, the tithe from the poorest of the poor to the richest of the rich, from the beginning of the Old Testament to the day Jesus comes back, that tithe has been eternally set. Now, let's think about some things. When you take your family, when you used to be able to go to a restaurant for dinner, right, When you would go out to dinner and you would uh, would eat, the bill would come, and there was this little line uh, on the bill that would say, Gratuity, gratuity. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, what what is the appropriate amount of gratuity to leave when you eat at a restaurant? Tell your neighbor, what is it? We're going to learn some things today. Hopefully nobody is saying 2%. All right? Usually, I mean, some people would say 10%. Usually, it's about 15, 18, up to 20%. Somewhere 15, 15 to, to 20%. Now, so let's say the bill comes. The bill comes, and it's $50. Your dinner was $50. The appropriate amount to leave for gratuity would be from $7.50, $7.50 to about $10. Bucks. Now, let's say, All of a sudden, your husband reaches in, he pulls out a dollar bill and puts it on the table. That's 2%. That's the average giving for church members, 2%. So he reaches out, puts a dollar bill on the table, and everybody looks at him, and what do you think? What do you think? Well, you could think several things. Several things could be true. One thing that could be true is that uh, your server was horrible. (laughs) Maybe they spilled tea all over you. Maybe they got your order incorrect several different times. Maybe they were nasty to you and maybe that tip was like, "Man, you don't deserve you don't deserve anything from me, but I'm just going to just throw something your way." That's one possibility. Another possibility is you don't know what percent is right to tip. Maybe you think that's appropriate. Maybe you think that's good. You don't really understand that there's maybe a bar that that has been set. So maybe that's that that that's that's an explanation. Maybe you don't have any more money. Maybe, maybe you've got $51 in your pocket and the only thing you can leave is that dollar. So, so maybe. Or maybe you're just cheap. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you discern that one, right? Maybe, maybe you just are cheap and you're just not going to leave anything. Now, I firmly believe when it comes to tithing, we can use the same illustration and the same logic. Why do people not tithe? Why do Christians not tithe? Well, some people don't tithe. Because some people, some Christians would say, well, God, you don't deserve my tithe. God, God, I I, I made this money. You really haven't served me that well. My my meals have been coming back cold here and there. It's my money, and I don't want to leave any for you. So that's, that's one reason that some Christians don't tithe. Some Christians don't tithe because they don't really have any idea. They didn't, they didn't know like like re, like really there was this thing called the tithe and it's Jesus talked about in the New Testament and it's and it's a bar I didn't really understand that I didn't know that that maybe there was there was this mark that I ought to be shooting for right well talk to God about that get in your Bible dig dig into there and see what God has to say. There's some Christians who say well I can't afford to tithe. Uh, I mean you don't understand I lost my job. Um, Man, I've got this medical bill that came in. Listen, God understands that. Talk to Him about that. God, I, I, this is not about guilt or shame. God totally understands that things happen in our life. But sometimes we say, "I can't afford to tithe because I got a boat payment." <laughs> I, I, I'm going to take this vacation. Sometimes we can't afford to tithe because our lifestyle, you know, our lifestyle is living at such a level that. And maybe we need to really kind of look at our lifestyle and say, you know what, I probably need to pare some things back, but that's a reason. And then another reason is that some people are just cheap, right? And again, I'll leave you alone with that one. So the question becomes, if I'm not tithing, why aren't I? And I think, again, that's something that, that's a conversation that we have with God. I didn't grow up a tither. There was a time in my Christian walk when I didn't tithe. I, I wasn't taught to do that. I didn't understand that. I had to learn that. Painfully, I had to learn that. But I'm going to tell you, as we get to the end of this, man, you're going to see that God, God will bless, God will honor the tithe. Let's talk about that. It's not really how, it's maybe another reason why, but, but, but God will bless it. God will bless the tithe. Now, again, I'm going to show you some scripture. Not my words, not my take on these words. Let's read the word of God and you discern, with the help of the Holy Spirit, what do you think God means? Listen to Proverbs chapter three, look at verses nine through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. The word honor means to weigh down. Weigh the Lord down with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So right here we're saying, listen, bring to God some of your wealth. Honor him, weigh him down. Then, watch watch, watch what he says. Then he will fill your barns with grain, your vats will overflow with good wine. The Bible makes this very abundantly clear. If we will do what God's calling us to do, man, he will bless. Let's go back to Malachi chapter 3. Let me read the context. We read it it a little earlier, but let me go back to it. Malachi 3, this is God's word. This is God speaking. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. God is saying bring 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will have not have enough room for it. Now, I, I don't know why it works that way, but that's the way it works. God says, if you will give back to the kingdom, if you will honor me with the tithe, I will bless your socks off. Jesus said, give and it will be given back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken out. So, so giving is this Moment where we take this leap of faith and we say, Okay, God, I get it. I give because you're a giver. I give because you've hardwired me. We're going to start this thing at the tithe. I'm going to make sure my heart's right. And then God says, Okay, if you do that, watch what I'll do in your life. In the days of the country store, do you remember little country stores where they used to have candy in the big barrels up by the register? There was a poor family in town, and when they would go to get their few little weekly uh, necessities the little boy would be with his mom and every time the store owner would say to the little boy Johnny reach down there and grab you a little handful of candy and every time Johnny would just shake his head no so the store owner would reach down with his hand grab some candy and put it into the little boy's hands and this went on like you know every every couple of weeks when they went to the store and so finally as they were walking to the store the mother said Johnny why, why don't you ever Mr. Anderson always tells you to reach in there and grab some candy why don't you ever do that why don't you ever reach in and grab a handful of candy and he said Mom, because his hands are bigger than mine. <laughs> He's not stupid. And I'm just telling you, God's hands are way bigger than yours. And when you and I approach giving, when we say to God, God, I know it's not, it's, it, you know, it's 10%. God says, man, let me, let me pour into you. Let me bless your life. So again, one of the constant corrections that we've got to make is this whole tithing thing. Now, so, so, so we give... Because giving begins in the heart, the bar is the tithe, and God will bless it. So let me just put some skin on this. Let's put some wheels on the car. Last week, I gave you a little card about saving some. In the pew in front of you, in the pew back in front of you, there's a little tithing card. I want you to grab one of those cards. I want everybody to grab one. You're not going to turn this in. You're not going to give it to the church. We're not going to keep any record of this. This is just between you and the Lord. It's an experiment. It's a test that I want to give to you. So everybody grab one of those cards and hang on to it. If you're watching online, you're going to see what this card kind of says on it. There are five possibilities that I want you to prayerfully consider. You're going to pick one of them, right? The first opportunity is I will start tithing. Again, as you listen to the word of God, as you contemplate, and as you go home today and as you pray, I want you to say, God, are you calling me to test you in this? Are you calling me to try this out? Well, then for some of us, maybe it's I I want to start to tithe. Uh, the second opportunity is I will continue to tithe. Maybe maybe you've taken God out of His word, and maybe you are a tither, and you say to God, "Okay, God, I, I get it. Man, I see how You've blessed me. I want to continue in the next year to tithe." You just check check that little box off. The third box is I'll start giving above the tithe. And what I mean by giving above the tithe is this: so the bar is the tithe, and then so so, so maybe like the Christmas offering to Jesus. That's not tithing. That's an offering. So, so maybe you're going to be a tither, but every now and again, when we take up a special offering, you're going to put a, a few dollars towards that. Or maybe you have a missionary friend, or maybe kosair's Children's Hospital. That would be giving above the tithe. You're going to tithe to the church, and you're going to give above that. So maybe God's calling you to do that. You're going to start there. Fourth one is you're going to continue doing that. And then the fifth option is maybe you're like, Craig, you don't get it. You don't, like, you don't... You don't understand, like, like I I I don't even know how I could do two percent, one percent. And what I would say to you is this, again, this isn't for this isn't about giving, it's about growing. This isn't the church is not in trouble. No one knows what you I don't know what you give, I don't want to know what you give. This isn't about like, like 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 the church telling you to do this. This is this is a, a growing possibility between you and God. You're not gonna turn this in, no one's ever gonna know. But maybe, maybe the spot to start is say, okay, God where can I start? If I can't hit that tithe right now, God, what could we do? And what, how could we begin? How could we start? I'm just telling you, God says, test me, try me and see what I'll do in your life. What we're learning is if we want to stay balanced financially, we make some adjustments. One is to save some, one is to give some. Let me pray for us.